With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland, and we actually have some very exciting news today. I mean, I posted on Twitter, but as you may know, I actually found some co-hosts to help me with the show. It's going to be a nice little fun addition, and today I have two of them with me. With me today, we have uh, Zach Braff, not the one from Scrubs, although that would have been awesome. And we also have George Montanez. So, uh, Zach, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Tell them about yourself. Sure. So my name is Zach Breff, like Mike said, and yes, just like the, uh, the Scrubs and Garden State actor, you can find me on Twitter at Breff Z. Real original, I know. But I'm originally from New Jersey. I just moved to Miami last year with my wife, and we just had a uh, baby boy four months ago. So I'm new to the whole dad thing. Just excited to talk about baseball. Big baseball fan, Mets fan my whole life, and I've been a fantasy player for over 15 years. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to give back some of my uh, feedback, talk baseball with you guys. So looking forward to it. And thanks, Mike, for bringing me on board. Appreciate it. Anytime, man. My goal was to find some guys that were just as enthusiastic as I am. And I think I've done a good job of that. I'm really happy with this group we put together. And some episodes, all of us will be on. Some episodes, it might just be me and one other guy. We're going to take it by ear, but the idea is to bring more content. But I digress because we forgot to, you know, let George talk. George, you want to go ahead and uh, introduce you guys? Yeah, yeah. What's up? My name is George Montanez. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jmontanez90. Feel free to give me a follow and hit me up anytime. I am originally from Stockton, California. I'm living out here in Los Angeles now. Um, I actually have two boys of my own, so I uh, take them to baseball games. I just got introduced to fantasy baseball about four years ago. and jumped right in and just been, you know, addicted to it since. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into episode six. Episode six is going to be our My Guys episode. We're going to go around and talk about three guys each that we absolutely love, we can't get enough of, and we seem to be drafting pretty frequently this season. So before we actually jump into the My Guys content, we're just going to touch on some of the uh, breaking news going on. The first bit of news that we're going to touch on is um, Hicks is supposed to go on the IL to start the year. Do you guys have any thought on that? Who, who do you think it really benefits? Maybe Gardner, Frazier? Does Bird oh. actually get first base and Voight go to utility? That's what I think I saw on Roster Resource actually today. Yeah, Roster Resource has uh, Stanton actually moving to the outfield. Gardner should be playing center field while Hicks is out. It's kind of unfortunate. You know, it seems like something that is a problem with uh, Hicks reoccurring. I don't think it should be too much of an issue. It seems like he might just miss the first couple series and be good to go. But uh, I think who's going to benefit the most right now is probably Voight and Bird. That's who they have in the lineup on Roster Resource. I'm not happy about that. I really want Flint Frazier to get a chance. I went, I went in and added him in a lot of places yesterday blindly. And then I look at Roster Resource today. I was like, oh, maybe I should do my homework first before getting excited about Frazier. <laughs> yeah, I, agree, I agree with you, Mike, though. I mean, last year was unfortunate, everything that happened with the concussion symptoms, but 
I mean, Frazier is a real talent, and uh, he just needs to get a chance out there. I'm nervous he's not going to get the chance with the crowded outfield and DH guys that they have, but if there's ever a chance, now, now's the chance. It's unfortunate with Hicks that he just signed the long-term deal, but... <laughs> but Garden's on his way out, so let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah for I sure. think they'll be fine, though. But, of course, because the Yankees always have to steal the spotlight, <laughs> the, the next two pieces of news kind of go hand in hand. We have Severino out until at least May, from what I've read, and signing of Gio. So that kind of stunts the growth of some of their prospects or potential growth of some of them. Because, you know, like CC is also out for at least, what, at least a couple starts minimum? Yeah, CC should be out for at least a couple starts. Um, so between him and Severino, that clears up two spots in the rotation. But now with Gio coming in, it's kind of hard to say if he's going to be ready, if he's going to get stretched out by opening day, or at least by the time he'll be up in the rotation. But it looks like at least Domingo Herman should be safe. Loizaga, for me, looks like the odd man out along with Sessa. Uh, I know Sessa is having a good spring. Everybody wants Sessa to start. He's out of options. That's I don't see why they wouldn't at least keep him in a bullpen role, but why not roll him out if he's been hot, you know? It's really a crapshoot. I think we just it's one of those things we have to keep an eye on, honestly. Right, yeah. I know Herman has been a hot name, uh, you know, this draft season. I think it's going to be up to him, really, if he's going to keep that spot in the rotation. I, I have a feeling that he is going to get that first shot there along with Gio for the, with those two spots. So I think it's really going to be on him to get a hold of that. Because I know Gio, his contract includes an opt-out for April 20th if he's not up with the big club. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I really don't know if he's going to be ready. I mean, I'm sure he's been working out. Uh, I heard that he's working out in Miami and enjoying the team this week. We saw last year with guys that signed late, um, whether it be Arietta, uh, Greg Holland. I know he's a reliever, but still, you could just tell that guys that signed late, it really did affect them. And Gio, I mean, the past few years, I mean, he's solid. He can put up 180, 200 innings, but he's not the Gio of maybe uh, five to seven years ago. I mean, he's a productive pitcher, but he's not the elite guy anymore. So I'm kind of curious to see how it comes to camp and if he's going to be ready. So it should be interesting to see. So speaking of Severino, I was just looking it up because now I got curious. His ADP on NFBC in just the last seven days is all the way down to 86.5. So roughly that puts him at the 30th pitcher overall being taken off the board. Just to give you an idea of some names going ahead of him, you have Herman Marquez, you have Zach Wheeler, you have Grinky, and Berrios. These are the, those are the four bigger names as far as starting pitcher going ahead of him. I totally understand the price. I, I honestly have a hard time gauging his value. I guess that makes sense. I mean – what do you guys think? Do you think that's appropriate? Would you, would you take a chance on him? I think for me personally, I would take a chance on him in a shallower league. Actually, because I did that. Um, I had a chance in a 12-team league, but it was very shallow compared to what I'm used to. And I'm very, I felt very confident in what I could get at the end of the draft that I went ahead and took him, I think, 55th even. Like, it was really early. It was ahead of all these guys I mentioned. But, again, I think it's a lot of it was based on the format, the depth. I think that all plays a part because, obviously, the shallower the format – you can take a chance on him earlier and you won't be hurting as much. It won't be such a hole in your lineup because of what you'll get later on because of, again, the depth matters. But besides that, overall, what do you guys, do you think that's appropriate where he's at? Like I said, he's the 30th pitcher off the board. That includes relief pitchers. He's behind those names. Like I mentioned, uh, we'll recap real quick. Wheeler, Marquez, Berrios, Grinke, and Kershaw as well. Do you think that's well, appropriate? Would you have him a little higher? Personally, I just, I don't like to take injured pitchers. I'm probably passing on him. Like you said, the shower of the league, you know, the more you can take on that risk because there will be options on the waiver wire. There will be more chances later on in the draft to grab some safer guys or guys that you like. 
as far as the names around him, you know, Granky, Barrios, I will take those guys over Severino right now. If I know that Severino is not going to pitch until May, I know what I'm getting with Granky, and I know what I'm probably getting with Barrios. And to give a little more of an idea, I mean, just a few names behind him even. Mad Bum, Mikolas, Price, Morton. Those are some of the oh, – Luis Castillo. Those are some of the names going right after him. Again, this is NFBC ADP. I think he's actually appropriately priced looking at this, looking at the names around him. I can understand him being a little earlier, a little later even. It's all about, like you said, you're willing to, like, the risk you're willing to take. I wouldn't touch him in a deeper league at all either. I'm very risk adverse in my first few rounds. And it would be hard for me to justify taking him in like a 15 teamer or anything like that because because I'd rather just get get someone a little safer. I think I mean I view David Price as being safer, even with right. his slight elbow tear, but at least he's pitching. Yeah, if we're talking about a 15 teamer and he's the 30th pitcher off the board, he, he, you're taking him as your number two. That's a lot of risk right there. Uh, probably too much risk that I'm willing to take. Um, I can understand the upside there. I mean, he is a legit ace when he's healthy. You just don't know how long, you know, he's going to be out for. You don't know if there's going to be any setbacks. You know, pitchers are very volatile, and especially with injuries, they're very tricky. For me, it's just too much risk. Completely agree. What do you think, Zach? What would you say? But I do, I do agree with you guys. Um, I don't know if it, if Severino is somebody that I would personally want to want to go after. I mean, he would have to fall really far. I don't know if I would go and grab Price or Morton ahead of him, but guys like Marquez, Barrios, Madbum, I feel like those are guys that I would definitely take before Severino. Um, I mean, if, if you're talking like a keeper dynasty type league, then that changes things. I mean, obviously Severino's young and somebody that you can build upon. I mean, if he's out for a month or two, I can, I can live with that. Uh, if you're looking at just like a standard points, Roto, head-to-head league, he's really not somebody that I would want to touch unless he falls pretty far. Sounds like we're pretty much all in agreement. And the next piece of news, A.J. Minter starts the year on the I.L., or is supposed to, I should say. And that's got to mean nothing but good for Vizcaino, right? He's, I mean, he's going pretty low in drafts as it is. People have high concerns about him and his job security in part because of Minter. Now I'd say the only real threat would be if they signed Kit Kimbrell after all. But you got to think right. it's a great, great boost for Vizcaino, right? I would definitely agree. I actually had a draft last night where I drafted Vizcaino real late. Um, I like to wait. On closers, also, I know you do too, Mike. I thought that was a great value, but um, I mean, this guy, he's he's got the closers experience. I think it's something that he could possibly even hang on to the job, even when Minter gets back. I mean, they might use Minter in high leverage situations, so it's it's a wait and see approach. But it can't hurt to take this kind of late. It's not like he's going mid 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 draft. I mean, well, he might he might jump up like maybe five spots in closer rankings, especially again. I think a big thing with him is. Okay, Minter is out of it. And I don't think Minter was necessarily going to take the job right away, but he was definitely going to take some opportunities. Now I'd say this might make them back in play for Kimbrell. And then obviously that just sinks Vizcaino. He's gone. He, he's not even draftable. But I don't know about Kimbrell. I mean, there's real talks of Kimbrell possibly sitting out the full season. I hope he does. <laughs> I hope he does too. I hope he does at this point. Because I would, if he goes to the Phillies, I have so much Greedy man. I have, well, that and I have so much Robertson, so much uh, yeah. Sergio Dominguez. I, uh, yeah, do, I, I have some Doolittle. He would really ruin my fantasy. So from a fantasy aspect, if he can go to a team that's irrelevant somehow at this point, which he wouldn't, he'd only go to a contender. If he goes back to Boston, I'd be okay. But other than Boston or the Cubs, because I don't have any Cubs guys, I'd be pretty upset because he would, he would hurt a lot of my teams because I am pretty committed to a lot of these 
lower tier uh, closers or mid tier closers that are supposed to be the closer. So from a fantasy, it, it goes. Sorry to cut you off. Like it, it goes back to our conversation from before with Geo. I mean, let's say Kimbrel signs sometime this week. I mean, is he in in baseball shape? Is he working out? Is he going to be ready? I mean, we saw supposed to be just. He got blown apart the first uh, first couple of outings, and he wasn't the same. I mean, it's it's not something that I would go after if Kimbrel happened to be signed. If Kimbrel gets signed, he's getting signed to be the closer, so he's taking someone's job. And, I mean, taking it back to Minter and Vizcaino, I feel like these are two guys who um, that situation was kind of suppressing both where both of them were going. I feel like if we had you know clear-cut, like, who's going to be the closer, they'd each be going a little higher. And I, I think that with Minter out, this guy, you know, his ADP is probably not going to reflect that right away. So he, like, you know, could be could be a good steal. Yeah, I, I'm liking where you're at. Now, the last piece of news we're going to discuss, it's more of a deeper league name, but still a good name to keep on your mind nonetheless, is uh, Jung Ho Gong. He was named the starter at third base. I mean, Moran, they say, from what I read, he's going to bounce between first and third. So it sounds like more of a day-off deal than a platoon deal. And Gong... Last I remember, it was like a, was a solid, solid provider for like, especially for power and decent average and not bad OBP. So points leagues, um, just a deeper format guy. I mean, somebody you can put on your bench at the end of like a deeper 12-teamer or even or a 15-teamer for sure. He's definitely a boost. Right, um, yeah. He's got that uh, power potential. He hasn't really played uh, full-time since 2016. Uh, where he had uh, 103 games, 370 plate appearances, but he did hit 21 home runs in those 370 plate appearances. The good, uh, you know, 354 OBP. So he's you know, got good power potential. The year prior, 2015, he played a little more, 126 games, 15 home runs. But he's definitely someone you could take a shot on late in the draft. I agree. And again, he's 31 now. He's been on baseball for two years, but the price, all that's baked into it already. There's real. There's really no risk. And a lot of people are chasing power to never draft, especially if you went to speed early. Realistically, he has 30 home run upside. I'm not saying he'll hit 30 home runs, but he has a legitimate 30 home run pop in that bat. I mean, what? He had five hits this spring, and all five were home runs. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> so that's, that's never a bad thing. But I think that does it for the news. We're gonna, and now we're going to move on to the My Guys portion of the show, where we each have three guys that we're going to go ahead and discuss. And these are guys that we just can't quit. Guys that we absolutely love, we seem to land in most drafts, and when they get taken from us, we get pretty upset. So, <laughs> that being said, I'll be a little selfish and I'll start off because I just can't stop talking about Bryce Harper. You can think of when a degenerate would start drafting. That was me. I think I started my first draft November of last year. <laughs> November, <laughs> dude, I did. A, I did a drafting hold in November of last year, my very first draft, and it was ter- it's terrible. My team is terrible, but. My point is, is I was willing to take Harper in the first round back then. And I think just the possibility of him signing to the Giants, the possibility of him signing everywhere else, people just let him fall in the draft. And I was willing to take him 10th or 12th overall. And most of the industry, I think, is pretty much down on him, except for a few guys I listen to here and there. I just took him recently in a 12th and a 16-team points league where, again, points, he gains value, but people still don't like him for some reason because he fell to me at 12. But I take him in Roto. I take him – I don't care. He's a first-rounder in my books every every day of the week. But um, a little bit behind it is uh, – we all know Harper went to Philly. That's a great spot for him. His career numbers over there, he has 208 plate appearances. He has 14 home runs and a triple slash of 268, 365, and 564. The average is a little, you know, lackluster, but 
the OBP of 365 and, the, and a slugging of 564. That's his home park now. <laughs> he, gets to do, he gets to be there for at least half his games. I don't know. I'm a huge Harper guy. I'm having a hard time passing up on him in the first round. Maybe it's to my detriment. I tweeted – I think all of us tweeted out a copy of what we think is going to happen this year. I picked him for my NL MVP. That's how confident I am in him this year. And there's no talking me out of it. I don't care what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I know that last year he did see a spike in his uh, strikeout rate. Um, I think part of that might have been with all the shifts that he was seeing. He might have been pressing. But uh, I I think that going to Philadelphia is definitely a big boost. I'm taking him in the first round, at least in OBP and points leagues. I think he's definitely first-round talent. Um, If if he somehow manages to get into the second round, um, wherever I'm picking, I'm absolutely not letting him slip past me in those kind of formats. Yeah, no, definitely. I obviously I'm not going to argue that. I was just saying because, and a lot of people forget that his down. He he had a down year, and I'm saying that with air quotes that you can't see. My fingers are doing air quotes. His down <laughs> his down year was 34 home runs, 101 runs, and 100 RBI with with 11 steals. And that was the first time he hit 100 RBI. Yeah, he did hit 99 in 2015. So right. eh, we'll, we'll call it 100. Make me a little happier. But uh, in all seriousness, that's just one of my guys. Um, I know it's hard to argue against a, roughly a first or second round pick, but I understand not taking him in the first round because he's there's injury issues with him. And I honestly think that the injury tag is a little unfair. Maybe I could just be very biased and I'm willing to take that chance. I really think that he comes into Philly firing on full cylinders and just comes to try to prove that he was worth every bit of that money. Right. Yeah. And I think the injuries too have been kind of fluky. I remember the 2017 injury. It was a rainy day in San Francisco and he slips, you know, trying to beat out a grounder to first base you know, stuff like that you can't predict. And it, those aren't, you know, like reoccurring injuries like that. I'm not gonna argue, again, I'm not going to argue any positive speak about my boy this year. So A lot of fluke injuries for him, but I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Mets fan, and I've been seeing this guy for the past six or seven years. And I was really hoping that he was going to go out of the division, go to San Francisco, go to San Diego, so I didn't have to deal with him anymore. But I'm quite terrified as a Mets fan to see him here for the next 13 years. But <laughs> He's just going to wreak havoc in that stadium, especially with the supporting kid, um, Real Muto, Segura, Kutch, and with Reese Hoskins in there. I mean, it's, it's, it's just – I have to ask you, Mike, if you're picking him in the first round, are you taking him over a guy like Yelich? No, that's where I draw the line. Now, there are formats right, where – making sure. <laughs> this formats where it's understandable. Uh, we were talking about this a little off air, to be completely honest. There are formats where it's understandable, but it's still hard for me because Yelich just proves year in, year out. Even when he gets hurt last year, he played 145 games. Like, he came back and didn't miss a single game the rest of the year, I don't think, honestly. And that's where it comes in. Because, yeah, because Har- cause Harper has had those fluke injuries, but he still had them. And Yelich's floor is so high that no matter what format it is, I still think I'm t- taking Yelich. But it's debatable in points leagues or OBP leagues. It really is. So you're going, so you're going Trout, Mookie, Yellow Charper. Is that how you're putting it? I might have Jose Ramirez still at three just because he offered, because I mean, he's done it for two years straight now. So I have a hard time doubting him. I was basically, I was saying outfield rankings. I think. Oh, oh, outfield rankings. I, but over, no, but even overall, like I could, I have no problem taking Harper. I think it becomes a conversation of Harper versus Arenado and JD in these leagues. Yeah. That's where I think, cause I mean, that becomes preference in OBP and points leagues because they all provide the same skill set, Harper can give you – I think Harper has the higher ceiling, but obviously has a lower floor. So it's a matter of how risk-adverse are you when it comes to that point in the draft, again, in a points league or OBP league, because he's elite in all the other stats, just like they are. He actually is a better on-base percentage guy than Arenado, I believe, 
it's just a matter of you know Arenado. He's rarely hurt. He plays his games. It's just a matter. You know, that's where it just it becomes yeah. preference, and it becomes do you want to take do you want to take a do you want to take a swing at that ceiling, or do you want or possibly you know you strike out hit that floor essentially. I think we can all agree he's in for a big year, though. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, my enough about my buddy Harper there. You know, because I've never met him, but he's my buddy. Zach, who's who's your who's your first guy you want to talk about? All right, so I've been I've been harping this guy for probably about two two three years now since he came on the scene. I am a huge Trevor Story guy. It may cause some riffraff in the fantasy community. Um, I'm sorry if it does. I love this guy since he burst on the scene in 2016. I think he hit the the seven homers in his first six games. It was just unreal. And shortstop, it's it's really becoming an elite position in fantasy. And my personal preference, I. I would prefer to take story over guys like Turner Lindor in the first, especially Lindor with his injury right now. It's really not somebody that I want to, I don't, I don't want him on my team. I'm not going to have him on any of my teams. Um, don't know how long he's going to be out for. That calf. I get it. <laughs> What's that? The cat. I'm saying, sorry to interrupt, but that calf, I totally understand the calf. Concerns. Yeah. I'm scarred um, by Donaldson, so totally understand it. But go ahead. Sorry. Exactly. Donaldson's yeah. the first name you think of when you hear calf injury. Yeah. You don't want to mess with the calves. Um, but anyway, um, Lindor, that's definitely a guy I would pass on. Lindor, I mean, he's still like top 10, 10 to 15 ADP. It's not something that I would reach on. Turner, I mean, Turner is amazing in OBP, in stolen base, uh, roto categories, really everything. I mean, I'm thinking more points leagues right now. I would definitely prefer um, Story at an ADP of 25 to 30 rather than a 10 to, I mean, Trey Turner is going to be higher than 10. I mean, you're looking at 8 to 10 for Turner, bro. Um, it's just somebody that I would prefer to have story. I mean, you're looking at potential 30, 30 guy. I mean, so he had 37 home runs last year and over hundred RBIs. He had 27 stolen bases. He was always a stolen base guy in the minor leagues. I mean, he really, the past few years, he's been touted as a stolen base guy, but he ran into some injuries. Um, two years ago, he had the injury against the Mets. I was at the game. He dove for a ball, hurt his wrist, and he was never the same for the rest of the year. I think he was out for the rest of the year, actually. But, I mean, he's, he's definitely a 30-30 threat. I know a lot of guys don't think that he can replicate last year, but I am a believer that he can. Um, I mean, 37, he, he, I, I really think he could even hit 40 bombs. In that ballpark, I really think it's a possibility. He dropped his, his strikeout percentage. He improved his walks last year. He really is an elite shortstop. And, I mean, you're, you're talking Lindor first, Turner possibly. I mean, those are the top two guys. Story is right up there, top three shortstops i'm high on him i think you guys should be he also went two for two today with a home run <laughs> recency bias <laughs> training <laughs> recency so, bias. i'm, just, I'm all over this guy he's a 30 30 guy so how team. high how high are you willing to take him in, in the first round and i'm not going to take photo. i'm not going to take story in the first round if we're talking points leagues my personal preference i i heavily favor starting pitching in points leagues, as I think Mike agreed with me as well. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I would prefer yeah. to go with a guy like maybe, I mean, if you're late in the first, I mean, if Scherzer's still there, I'd love Scherzer. Maybe Scherzer, Sale, DeGrom, I'd rather somebody like that. And then maybe on the way back, I would consider Story in the second. I mean, if he's still there in the third, I'm going to scoop him up. But I'm not going to take him in the first round. But I'm basically what I'm trying to say is I would not reach on Trey Turner or Lindor. I'd rather wait. And I'd wait for Story in the second or third if he's still there. So, you, uh, yeah, I was gathering that. You have him ranked above 
Trey Turner and Lindor, but you're obviously not reaching on them there, knowing that you're taking advantage of the ADP, essentially. You think he's going to outproduce these guys, but you love where he's falling, and that's why I really think I think he can outproduce Lindor, especially because Lindor is going to be out for Mm -hmm. two, if not longer. Story outscored Trey Turner last year in points leagues. Turner's value is – the reason why you see him rank so high is most rankings are done based on Roto. Roto, yeah. In points, I can understand them being close in ranking. I would still take Turner first, personally. But you gave me, you actually made me think about it because I'm looking at some of the stats too and the improvement of almost 10% in his K percentage from last year to this year, or from 17 to 18, I should say. Huge improvement. Huge. Yeah, that is. And you uh, going to mention that, you know, usually improvements in play discipline like that do carry over. And I'm looking, I mean, 2017 when he had the, oh, sorry, 2016 when he had the breakout year, he hit 272 with uh, 341 OBP, and then last year he hit 291, which I think that's, again, that's his ceiling. I don't think he's ever going to be a 300 hitter. But if you're ever going to have a park that can help you sustain 270 or 260, when you're not truly that type of hitter, it's course Field. So I can totally get behind Story, I guess. I just haven't had – I just have nowhere because usually I'm a little more risk-adverse, and I think we know his ceiling was last year maybe a little better. But we've seen his floor, and his floor is 2017 where – I feel like I feel like he was dropped some at some point. <laughs> like I'm trying to remember. He's definitely dropped. I know that I've dropped in 2017. <laughs> so but that's why that's injuries why. were injuries were a factor. He had the sophomore slump, but it, yeah, he had a shoulder injury in 2017, right? He did. Yeah, and then a wrist injury as well. So so fluke injuries. Maybe maybe I didn't look enough into that part. I don't know. I just always find myself it's usually him or Freeman or Goldie and. Speaking of Goldie, I'm pretty sure that's on someone's list that we're about to talk about. So how about we, that we smooth transition? Nice segue. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Goldschmidt, huh? Goldschmidt is my first my guy. I mean, he was a top five pick, you know, before the Humidor news broke. He had a monster 2017, hitting 36 home runs, 137 runs in RBIs combined with 18 stolen bases. That's just, that's ridiculous. And now, you know, 2018, we get the Humidor, uh, he starts off slow. His April and his May was just horrendous. He was, you know, one of the worst hitters in April and May. But uh, if you look, you know, after that from June on, he was one of the best hitters in the league. I think that the move from Arizona to St. Louis is really going to boost his his value and, and his numbers. I mean, uh, if you look at his numbers home and away last year, he hit 238 at home, 339 away. He hit 21 of his home runs on the road against 12 at home while his strikeout percentage did go up last year most of that was in April and May I think part of that had to do with the humidor and you know he might have been pressing knowing that he had to maybe hit the ball harder that knowing that the humidor was going to affect the way that the ball was carrying in the ballpark Um, now and then from June 1st on he only struck out 17 percent of the time so, I mean, I think he's still the same Goldschmidt that we saw in 2017. Um, I know that one of the reasons why he is dropping is, you know, the decline in stolen bases. Uh, he did attempt more steals later on in the season uh, last year. He did increase his hard hit percentage um, over from 2017 to 2018. He did increase from 44% to 46% hard hit percentage. Uh, his line drive percentage also went up from 18% to 25%. So, uh, while the numbers don't reflect that, he, he was actually a better hitter. I think the, really, for me, the, the move outside of Arizona puts him back into that first round, especially being you know first base is pretty shallow this year. I think he's definitely 
you're definitely getting great value in the second round if, if you're getting Goldschmidt. So he's someone that I'm targeting um, pretty much in every draft in the, in the second round. It's hard to argue that. I mean, I've taken him on a, in a league or two. But, I mean, I've taken everybody in a league or two at this point. I think I'm at 19 leagues. So I've taken <laughs> But in all reality, yeah, second round, he's it's one of those guys, safe floor. You should know what you're getting out of him. The steals might be not what they used to be. He might be closer to a five to seven steal guy versus a 10 plus guy. But otherwise, you know you're getting production across the board. You know he's safe. And like you said, first base this year isn't, isn't really the best. So I totally I, – I agree. I think the price is right on him. I think it's great. I think – and I wouldn't blame anybody, no matter the format. And he's a first-rounder in points leagues, arguably, as far as hitters go. But or I wouldn't argue with anybody if they took him late first, early second, especially late first, because I can understand it. I mean – there's obviously flashier names, but position scarcity is something you actually think about when you're drafting. I can understand taking him in the first round. And it really is for me, one, a one B with Freeman. I prefer Freeman over him. That's just, a, that's a personal preference, but you can ask a hundred people and it, it could literally be a 50, 50 split. It wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me either. So. Right. Right. You, can, you really can't go wrong with either of these guys. Um, I, I just feel like Goldschmidt has the higher ceiling uh, as far as the power. You're still getting a great average, um, you know, right around between 290, 300. You're getting the OBP. You're going to get the counting stats with the improved lineup in St. Louis. So for me, I just feel like Goldschmidt has that higher ceiling. So like I said, like, uh, it's hard to really argue his value. So next guy on my list, next guy I have everywhere. I love him. I, I've tweeted about him. Definitely one of my guys is uh, Jameson Tyone. Now, I thought more people were in on him. I'm finding it to be a pretty mixed bag. Twitter is pretty torn on him. But I, I get it because he's not exactly proven. He's yet to do – he's yet to show that what, what happened last year wasn't a fluke. He's only 27 years old. I just think the guy is a solid, safe uh, starting pitcher. I love him as my SP2 this year. That's where I've been getting him. And he had a huge breakout in the second half. And a lot of it was because he introduced a slider and threw it 20% of the time throughout the second half. And with that came the, came the success. His walks per nine decreased from the first half to the second half from 2.55 walks per nine to 1.69. You saw his home runs per nine decrease from first to second half from 1.02 to 0.85. His FIP and XFIP improved from the first half to the second half. His ERA decreased even from 3.91 in the first half to 2.33 in the second half. And essentially, I'm just betting on him sustaining the breakout. He does lack a solid K per nine. It is sub nine, so he's lacking one K per inning. That's not exactly preferred in an ace. But I think a full offseason of really honing in on that slider, just maybe uh, messing with that pitch mix, making it more successful. I think he, I think all that he has the upside to improve that K rate. And if you take, if you take an improved K rate with that second half breakout and you put it together, which I think is it's possible. That's a big reason why I'm super in on him. I have him everywhere and he's just, he's just one of my guys. That's, what, that's why this is what it is. That's why it's called that. He's just, I, I have, I can't be talked out of him. People have tried. I can't be talked out of him. Absolutely. I, if you're able to get Tyone as your SP2, I don't think you can go wrong there at all. He's, I, I agree. He's, he's safe. Um, you know, he, if he can sustain that, you know, improved walk rate, uh, I think you, you definitely can't go wrong with him there. Yeah. 
I, again, anytime someone says something nice about one of my guys, I'm never going to argue with them. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, George, what about you? Who do you have next on your My Guys list? Well, my second uh, guy here that I find myself constantly drafting is Anthony Rendon. I mean, what can I really say about Rendon other than, you know, just draft him? Like, he's as consistent as they come. I mean, uh, you know, he – last year – he had 24 home runs, uh, 180 combined runs in RBI. Uh, I mean, and that was in 136 games. I, I remember he got hit by, uh, on the foot by a pitch, and uh, he missed some time early on in the season. But, I mean, I can see Rendon easily hitting 30 home runs for the first time in his career. I, I think he's going to – I think he has a legit shot of, of breaking that. And uh, I think he could be an MVP candidate. Uh, personally uh you know he's he's got the elite line drive rate he's got the elite walk rate uh you know obp he doesn't strike out he's hitting you know 23 percent line drive rate 37 percent hard hit rate he's gonna get that average really you know the and the counting stats in that good lineup i think this year is going to be a legit breakout year for anthony rendon i love it i had him quite a bit as well so I'm I'm on board with you 110%. And I actually just looked it up real quick. He's projected to hit third. I, I mean, I kind of forgot Harper's not there. And the fact that they put him third instead of Soto, and he's actually has Soto behind him, Turner ahead of him, Eaton ahead of him. Yep, guys, they get on base a lot, a lot of RBI opportunity, and he has a lot of lineup protection. So a Dark Horse MVP candidate, I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm getting Rendon as my third baseman everywhere I can. Well, Rendon's as safe as they come, solid floor. You know what you're getting. We're going to go ahead and jump over to Zach and talk about his next guy. So, yeah, Rendon, great pick. I got another great pick for you. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to go to the rubber right now. We're going to go and talk about another Zach, uh, Mr. Zach Wheeler. I'm a huge Wheeler fan this year. Sneakily, I think he could be the second best pitcher on the staff this year. Last year, he was easily their number two. Noah had a down year, um, but I mean, DeGrom, Wheeler was a heck of a one-two punch. I think it's going to be, I think there's a very good chance that it could be that one-two punch again this year. Wheeler's in a contract year. He's going to try and cash in. This guy is unreal. He's got an effortless motion. Um, he throws gas. He's throwing 98 to 101 right now in spring training. He actually has a lower spring training ERA than DeGrom right now. He's, th- he's got a 2.25 ERA right now. I'm telling you, this, this one, two, three punch is just going to be unreal. And at least they're going to take it to the Nats. <laughs> it's going to be a dogfight to the end. But Wheeler, potential dark horse scion candidate. Heard it here first, folks. Um, <laughs> I mean, last year, I mean, he, he put up amazing numbers last year. He threw 180 innings. That's when he missed the first month or so. Um, he didn't even make the, the rotation out of camp last year. They chose Vargas over him. I still don't get it. But anyway, I think he could really be a dark horse Cy Young candidate this year. He's going about ADP of 90 right now. I mean, this is a phenomenal starting pitcher number two in any league. I really like him in points leagues this year. I think he's going to go deep. I think you're, you're looking at 200 innings from this guy. I really think that when the season's over, I think he could have a better ranking than Noah. I really do. And Noah's going what? Noah's going maybe ADP 30, 40, give or take. But I think Wheeler is going to have a great year and be on the lookout for this guy. I will 
beat you till you're dead. I love Thor this year. I'm pretty sure I picked him <laughs> to be my uh, NL Cy Young, and you just poo pooed all over him. Hey, I'm a Mets fan, but Thor needs to stay healthy for a full season. We've been waiting. I, I'm totally on board with him for the past two, two, three seasons, and Wheeler turned it around in less time than he has. Well, I'm I'm on board with Wheeler. But I'm really upset with you about Thor. And I'm not even hey, a Mets fan. I, st- I still love <laughs> me some Thor. Don't get me wrong. But He looks so dominant and nasty. And I know it's spring training, but he looks like it's absurd. But Wheeler's been just – he's been doing great too. So, I'm actually looking at his second-half numbers last year. Wheeler really – Amazing second off. half last year. Wow. You're not kidding. He had a, really turned it on last year, huh? Second yeah, half. Was he, was right, he was right there with DeGrom last year in the second half. Just an unreal second half. And it really put him on the map. How do the Mets mishandle their pitchers so so terribly, but at the same time have such elite pitching? I don't understand uh, it. Do you guys remember where Wheeler came from? He came from San Francisco. Yeah, that's right. We got a Giants fan in the house. Yeah. yeah. I love Carlos Beltran. Thank well, gosh, don't remind me about that trade. You, well, you can, thank, you can thank the Marlins for passing on Thor for, I forget who, in that uh, – Jose Reyes deal and all those other players that went to Toronto. Uh, we, passed on, we passed on Thor for I can't remember who, but oh no, um, no it wasn't Sanchez. I wish because Sanchez is still relevant. Regardless, we passed on Thor. Just, yeah, <laughs> I know idea. what you're talking about. The Mets had the choice of Aaron Sanchez or Thor, and we had the choice of Thor and somebody else, and we took the wrong person. You took Thor. Good, good on you. Yeah, you know, Zach Wheeler is a perfect example of, you know, how sometimes you just can't give up on some of these guys with the high pedigree. He was drafted in 2009 in the first round, six overall by the Giants. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so, you know, nine years later, he breaks out. The only thing I can really say is, you know, this, it was the first time that he pitched this well over a full season. So you do wonder, you know, if he can repeat that. But, uh, yeah, he has the pedigree. He did show the skills last year. Um, I, I'm right there with you with Wheeler. What you said about Wheeler, I think you, you've definitely sold me a little more on him because, honestly, I was a little unsure about him. I, 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 don't really, I don't think I have any shares. Going, he's been going similar to Kez, and I'm like, meh. Maybe I just didn't do enough homework of, of my own, so bad, bad on me. So I appreciate it. You, got, you gave me this good feeling. I'm going to let you continue. Who's your, who's your last guy? <laughs> I'm glad I could help there, Mike. Dude, I'm I'm not perfect. I'm just the closest thing to it. But <laughs> I just got to make you aware of my Mets players that are worth drafting this season. Anyway, we we digress. I could go with another Met here, but I'm not going to go with another pitcher right now that I'm really high on this year. I've got multiple shares of him this year. Guy I like a lot this season is Tyler Glass. Now, change of scenery last year. He was a part of the Chris Archer deal last year. Um, I really think the change of scenery is going to do him well. Um, he's got – he seems to really be rapporting with his new pitching coach over in Tampa, um, guy is Kyle Snyder. This guy, Snyder, he's also a tall, lanky dude. He's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, which is what Glassnow is. And it always seems to be that Glassnow's issue was mechanics, repeating the mechanics, repeating his delivery. Um, it's just been very hard for him to do so. Um, he did not have a problem doing it in the minor leagues, but – Seems every time he was up with Pittsburgh, just got torched. And it was very frustrating. He's obviously been a top prospect guy for the past few years. And he fanned out over there, so they got rid of him. And he seems to really be rapporting with the new pitching coach over in Tampa. He's throwing gas. He's throwing 98-99 in spring training right now. He's added a slider to go along with his curveball changeup combo. 
He's really owning the upper and lower half of the zone, which is something he really was not doing over in Pittsburgh. He was kind of just staying low in the zone. Um, his high heat, it's, it's just game-breaking. He's, he's really been lights out. It's also going to help with the, uh, with the bullpen over in Tampa. I'm personally not a huge fan of it, but last year, who'd they have? They had, they had Snell, basically. Now you got Snell, you got Morton, you got Glass. Now it's going to be a big relief to the bullpen. They won't be taxed as much. Um, I think it's going to really help with that. Just a little insight. So last year, Glass, now we started 11 games for the Rays. The first few games, he only pitched a few innings because he was um, he was in the pen for Pittsburgh. But they, they had to work him up to the starting rotation. And in the 11 games that he started, he only gave up more than three runs in two of those starts. He had a 3.23 in August. Um, in September, he had a huge blow-up start where he gave up uh, seven runs, and that torches ERA. But overall, he really did pitch well since coming over from Pittsburgh. And I really think that's going to continue this year. He's going to put up mad strikeouts. He's, he's got to eat some innings because that bullpen is going to get taxed if he doesn't. So I really, I could see somewhere between 160, 180 innings. I mean, he really could get up to 200 strikeouts. I really think, I think you're looking at a possible guy that could really surprise people. So right now, last time I was going ADP 166. Honestly, that's a steal. You'll thank me later. Go get him, guys. I mean... Yeah, I like him even more in points leagues. I think he has legitimate potential to be – I'm not going to say Snell last year, but that type of pitcher where you got him so cheap or almost free, and he provides just amazing value. Yeah. That would not surprise A lot of people – sorry to cut you off there. A lot of people last year, they were harping Snell as a big-time sleeper, and I, I completely agree with that. I don't think anybody was expecting him to take the strides that he did and become the Cy Young winner. <laughs> I mean, Glass, I'm not saying he's going to win the Cy Young, but I really think that he's going to take big strides this year in Tampa. It's an underrated team, even though they won, what, 90 games? Uh, I didn't know a 90-win team could be underrated. Um, I mean, I, I really think he can make some noise. It's a number three guy there. I'm on the same page as you. I don't think he's necessarily going to be Snell elite. I think he has legitimate top 20 pitcher upside, maybe better. Like If next year we're drafting him in our top 20 or top 25, like right Wheeler, Marquez, if he was going there next year, that wouldn't surprise me at all. If he was going top 15 where Tyone and Clevenger are going, that wouldn't surprise me. I think these outcomes are legitimate. But then there's also that, that control can go any moment. He could just justify where you're taking him. But I think, I think he's worth the risk at that price because you're getting him as your SP4, SP5 sometimes, depending on your league. And in points leagues, he has RP eligibility. So I like to use starters as relief pitchers in those types of formats. Because there's because they're usually they're weekly, so keep that in mind. But I think this is one of those guys that you just you keep an eye out, and the value could easily return. We saw some guys last year like Snell, Wheeler, Tyone. We saw guys take a big leap last year, and you see it reflected in their ADP this year. Um, I really think Glassnow could be that guy next year. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I love uh, Glassnell's upside. He's you know he pitched last year to a four point two seven ERA, but if you look at the xFIP, he had a three four seven. So where he's going in drafts right now, you can take that and you know get some re- positive regression there. If you can get those walk rates down, then he can really get up into you know an elite pitcher A status. Now that we've discussed Glassnell quite a bit, and we're all in a pretty much agreement, which. I promise you guys, agreeing won't be this frequent, but can't help it. We're on the same page, first episode, for the most part. So, except for story, I'm still not completely sold on. I get it, but 
That's a whole other discussion. Hey, I, I sold you. In a points league, uh, I sold you. Meh. Uh, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say is meh. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and move over to George's final my guys. Let's have it. Who, who you got? So my final guy that I find myself taking in drafts, I've taken him in just about every draft that I've done this season so far, is uh, Joe Musgrove. Um, he's going right now. He has a consensus ADP of 215. We know Musgrove went over from Houston to Pittsburgh in the Garrett Cole trade. He, he was kind of the highlight of that package. Last year, he pitched you know 115 in- innings to a 4.06 ERA, but uh, he did have a 3.59 FIP and a 3.92 xFIP. Uh, the thing I like about Musgrove is the 4.7 walk percentage. Uh, so he hardly walks anybody. Uh, he's got a good walk rate, so he he's got that good whip. He's got a 1.18 whip last year. He's got a 45.5% ground ball rate. I think that if he can continue to keep the walks down, and he's currently developing a slider that is getting better. Uh, I think if he can keep developing that slider and get the strikeouts up to go along with that changeup and and a good fastball that he has, uh, I think he could definitely really give you a great return on your value this year. Uh, The thing with him is going to be injury concerns. So I know right now he's working his way back from an injury but I think that with the strides that he has made and uh, what the underlying stats show, I think that he could definitely uh, take the next step forward and uh, give, you some, give you some good innings and a better strikeout rate. Really like what I see from Musgrove and uh, what he can give you this year. Another guy I'm just not going to argue with you on. I've been taking him. The beautiful thing about him is you can get him at the end of your draft. He's one of those last round guys or close to the final round guys. And, he offers just this immense upside. I mean, I would like to see his K prime come up. Last year was a little lackluster. And even before that, he hovers around nine, maybe eight. I've seen a couple tens in there for his minor league track record. Like you say, he's developing another pitch. It's just a lot of upside there. He's just one of those guys that I love to target late too. So kind of a boring response. There's no real, there's no real retort there. <laughs> and, yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, these guys, I, I like to look at these guys late. I like to look at the walk percentage, you know, because I think you, walk percentage, a ground ball percentage, because if you're looking at guys this late in the draft, um, you want potential for guys to pitch a lot of innings. And uh, if you're getting that ground ball percentage, if you're not walking anybody, and if you can see improvements in that strikeout percentage, then guys are going to go deeper into games, get you those quality starts, get you those points that you need. Um, so if you need like, you know, like a good whip stabilizer late, late in your draft, you know, Musgrove just isn't walking anybody. You, you can take a chance on Musgrove. Musgrove is a good, it's a, it's a good pick. I remember a few years ago, uh, he was coming up in the Houston system. He was in the futures game a few years ago. And I mean, everybody was touting this guy's impeccable control and it, it still shows he's still got that impeccable control. And um, I, I agree um, with Mike. I, I think it would be nice to see the case for nine go up a little bit. But, I mean, for a guy that you're getting in the, uh, the 220 ADP range, I mean, it's, it's a great fit at the end of your draft. It looks like we all agree on Musgrove. My final guy here is actually pretty controversial. And I say that because I've gotten into legitimate Twitter debates with Scott White about it. Nothing substantial. He's always a nice guy, pretty respectful, as long as you show it back. But uh, those are, like, my closest friends I talk fantasy baseball with, which they are totally off – this, they think I'm off my rocker. They they don't see it, but I'm all over Mike Moustakas this year. He's going roughly like 120 to 130 range, I believe. I think he's, he's been getting snagged earlier in drafts, and I'm willing to take him. That's crazy to me because I've always been the high guy on him. And 
a lot of it just goes back to the fact that he was give, been given it's only a one year contract, but it's a ten million dollar deal. He's been named starting second baseman, a position he's never played before. Just so they can, I think a lot of it's just to get that bat in that lineup because he's a power lefty. You don't, I mean, those aren't just something you come across every day. And not to mention, I think first base is bad. I promise you, second base is worse. Oh, God. Yeah. Second base True. is not bad. But he's a lefty. He hits at Miller Park. And I'm looking at park factors on Fantasy Pros and Miller Park for left handed batters the seventh best park for home runs. <laughs> so you're taking a left-handed bat. You're putting, you're putting it in probably what, six or seventh in that lineup, which crazy. Like normally I would avoid that, but you're talking about a guy, you're talking about a lineup that's loaded in that lineup per roster resource. He's batting sixth. And that's assuming that Shaw doesn't struggle. Aguilar doesn't regress. Braun doesn't get hurt. These are all guys above, ahead of them that if Moose does what Moose can do, and those guys regress or get hurt like they have in the past. Or I don't see Shaw struggling because he's just been solid for the last few years. But if he can move up that order, it's even better. But even if he, even if he doesn't, you're still looking at a guy hitting sixth. A lot of people are like, he could be platooned. He, um, I guess another argument is Hira, if that's how you say his name, I believe. He's, you know, top prospect. He's ready to come up, waiting, needs a spot. I just look at it like, even if he platoons, he's getting the strong side of a platoon. He's a righty masher. He's going to get the righties. He's in that – what was Freeman's quote? Uh, dimly lit Little League Park? Something like that he, they, he called it a couple years back? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just – it's just um, – I just don't see nothing but solid upside. I mean, we're, so, I mean, we're talking about a couple seasons where, I mean, in 2017 he had 38 home runs, and that was at Kauffman Stadium, as uh, Kauffman Stadium as a home stadium. And now last year he had 28 home runs, and that was with him, unfortunately, struggling a little bit towards the end. But now you're talking about a full offseason on, on a team that – got him in earlier versus, you know, he had to wait last year to get signed. They wouldn't just sign him. I think they want him there. They made a point to give him a, a position he's never played before in the major leagues. I don't see the issue. I, I People have tried talking me off him. I'm, I'm planting my flag. I'm staying on this hill. And if, if I'm standing alone, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I hear you there. I hear, you know, for someone that can legit hit, you know, 35, you know, maybe even 40 home runs in that park, to give you a strikeout percentage of, you know, 16, 15%, you, you just can't find that, really. I mean, that, those are the elite, elite hitters that don't strike out so much and give you that power. Even if you look at the average, you know, 2017, he hit 272. And, uh, you know, last year, he only hit 251, but that came with the 259 Babbitt. Uh, you look back at 2016, where he hit 240, that was a 214 Babbitt. I'm right there with you with, with Moustakas. I mean, and when you're talking about a lineup like that, you don't worry about a guy hitting sixth. Um, now, the only thing, you know, that you might be concerned about is, like you said, maybe the platoon, maybe the defense. Uh, that's, you know, to be seen. <laughs> I'm not sure how much second base he's played. Um, but they, and they do have a Hira coming up, you know, probably near the end of the season. But uh, I don't see any reason why, you know, Moustakas can't just smash in that ballpark. And injury, I, I say a lot of it is he, I think his job could be secured by injury, if nothing else, because Braun can you know, be knocked out. I mean, that, I don't think Braun would really affect him. But if Shaw struggles or gets hurt, if Aguilar struggles, Moose can move over to first type of thing. I mean, Aguilar isn't proven. I guess my point is I think there's more avenues to Moose sticking around than there aren't. And a lot of people are so stuck. I've just seen a lot of – I've seen articles. I've seen other analysts. I've seen, like, legitimate big names, you know, just not be on board. And I can understand it. but. I'm looking, this is just my viewpoint, and I'm just 
I've, it's, it's about time in a podcast besides I, I put, I've done it on Twitter, but it's about time I put it out there for people to hear. Like, look, I'm on it. I'm on board. I'm taking them. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit to it later, but I, but I got, but I got, I got, I just got to stake my claim. Like for everyone to hear, for everyone to know, like, Hey, like, I'm not just tweet tweeting. I'm serious. Like, this is my hill. I'm up here with the flag. I'm waving it. And if I'm war torn and battered at the end of the, at the end of the season, and I'm like one leg, eye patch and waving with one arm, so be it. Or if the flag rolled down the hill at this point, so be it. But I was there and I'm willing to be wrong about them. Here I, like the, uh, <laughs> I like the flag and the pirate reference. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy that because just, it just reminds me a lot of Carpenter last year. I feel like Carpenter was like this guy going in that range. People were just like ignoring because of, you know, injury concerns and all that. Yeah. I feel like Moose for me is like Carpenter. For, I was on Carpenter last year too. I was almost strong until he had that really strong six weeks or whatever it was. But uh, Moose is like that same guy going that same range, mid-rounds, you know, where I'm like, why not? There's, people, there's players like Devers that are a little more exciting because they're obviously younger and, and, and just as good of a lineup. And obviously we know Devers has a ceiling probably better than Moose even. If he hits on all that, all that upside. But just I guess, I guess there is some risk. There is obviously risk there because, again, it's not one of these late guys like Musgrove where we love, but there's not much risk to it. Right. Moose, there's actual people you're like you're taking him over that can legitimately be a difference maker still. So it's kind of a weird area, but I'm I'm still like I don't care. <laughs> give, give me give me my Mustakas. It's an it's an interesting pick. Um, I'm very curious to see how the position position change affects him. Um, there's been guys in the past where they change position and it really affects their offensive approach. Guys like Will Myers. Um, <laughs> shoot last year, I think. Yeah, played some shortstop last year. I mean, it really does affect the mindset for an offensive player. I mean, they're thinking about defense the whole game. I mean, it really can affect the, their play. I mean, one thing that we did see, we saw Yelich dominate last year. That's the one <laughs> yeah. thing that he has going for him. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's a great ballpark to play in, as we were yeah. talking about Harper and Citizens Bank. Ballpark is a huge factor. And I also think that the full offseason, like you said, will really help him. And hopefully he can learn second base a little bit. Um, another thing that does concern me, though, is the top prospect, Hera. Uh, I mean, it sounds like he really is major league ready. I could possibly see him by midseason make an impact on that team. Um, so it should be interesting to see if Mustakas moves over to third. And like you said, Shaw, maybe platooning with Aguilar first. There's a lot of different options. But it's, it's an interesting pick. Hopefully the second base thing works out. But I, I guess we'll wait and see. I'm like I said, I'm willing to die on this hill. But guys, we did it, man. This was the this was the first podcast it. together. But in all seriousness, guys, no, um, I'm really glad to have you part of the team now. And I call us a team because it's gonna be different guys all the time. It might not be all of us all on every podcast. It might only be two of us, it might be all four of us. I might still go solo if there's a week that everyone's out of town. My point is is um it's gonna be a group effort, a team effort, and I'm glad I think I, it sounds like I found a great group of guys and uh I'm ecstatic to keep this going. Just hope you're there. Uh, the idea is to keep you there for the ride with me. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Glad to join. So just a quick reminder before we head out, guys. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Mike underscore Curlin. We have, we have George Montanez. You can follow him at jmontanez90 on Twitter. And then we also have uh, Zach Braff, you know, our famous. He's, <laughs> he's, our, he's our famous Zach Braff. Don't, don't worry about the actor. You can follow him at BraffZ. So, uh, again, we appreciate you guys listening. It means a lot. We plan on bringing you a a lot more content going forward. Feel free to give us a follow on Twitter. Ask us questions. We're we're glad to help. You can catch Bases Loaded Podcast on pretty much any 
platform you get your podcasts on at this at this point. I think the only one we're working on is Podbean, but otherwise you can get us on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, iHeartRadio. Like I said, pretty much any other one but Podbean, which I'm working on. So again, subscribe, comment, review. It's all appreciated, and we appreciate your uh, patience as we grow into this, you know, comfort zone with one another. I think all in all, it's going to work out well. You'll hear from us soon. You got to go.